Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we are going to brief you on some upcoming lock closures that will be very important to loopers. Our guest today is from the Corps of Engineers, and he'll be talking specifically about some upcoming closures on the Illinois Waterway, which are likely to have a pretty high level of impact on loopers. So we definitely want to get that information out there. I'll also give you a little bit of details on an upcoming closure in Florida. So before we jump in... I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. So I do want to start by just giving you some brief details about an upcoming closure on the Okeechobee Waterway. The Port Lucy lock is planned to be closed for maintenance from January 2nd through March 31st of 2022, so basically the first quarter. Loopers will need to plan accordingly. This is the time frame towards the end of that period that many loopers are heading through the Okeechobee waterway to get to the East Coast and start their journey northward. There is, of course, an alternate route. Loopers will have to go through the Keys during that time period, so... Not a bad choice for sure, but we'll take some pre-planning. So again, the closure on the Port Lucie lock is from January 2nd through March 31st. That's the projected dates for 2022. It only takes one lock on a waterway like that to make the whole waterway essentially closed. So as you leave Fort Myers, instead of heading into the Okeechobee waterway to continue the loop, you will have to go south through the Keys, which is, of course, a great choice. So um, a little bit more mileage, but some great cruising grounds there in the Keys. So with that out of the way, I do want to introduce our guest. Doug Morgan is with us. Doug is uh, with the Army Corps of Engineers. He is the Chief of Locks for the Rock Island District. Hopefully I have that correct, Doug. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, But welcome. We appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So let's, let's start, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and your responsibility with the Corps of Engineers. Uh, sure. I've uh, been with the Corps of Engineers. Uh, I just passed the 24-year mark back in September. Um, my background with the Corps of Engineers is I started off as basically as a laborer um, out on the repair units and, um, and uh, gained a lot of experience and um, a lot of knowledge over that time frame in, in lock and dam uh, maintenance and repair. And during that time frame, um, I was able to work up into a work leader position. And as I had a young family, I was wanting to stay home more and be off the road, uh, which that job required me to do a lot of. Um, so then I switched over to the operations side. And that consists of working at locks and dams on the Illinois Waterway. Um, uh, I've worked at three different locks and dams. I've worked at LaGrange Lock as a maintenance uh, uh, equipment mechanic. Um, I've also been an assistant lock master at both Starve Rock and Peoria Lock and Dam. And then uh, eventually I was uh, the lock master at both Starve Rock and uh, Peoria Lock and Dam. And then I uh, was afforded the opportunity when uh, Mike Walsh left this office earlier this year to, um, to gain some experience on a temporary basis and then was able to convert over to on a, on a permanent basis a few months after that. So uh, still kind of new to this role, um, still learning, and uh, you know, it's been a good experience so far. 
Well, and, and given that background, you've probably seen many loopers come through those locks in your day. Um, and, and Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And Mike Walsh was hugely helpful uh, back in 2019 and 2020 when there were similar closures on the Illinois waterway in, um, you know, kind of helping us get information out to recreational boaters, especially loopers, since that's who we have the most access to. So we were super appreciative of his help. And uh, since he has now moved on to another position, he did put us in touch with you. And we thank you for continuing that and helping us get the messaging out about what loopers can expect during this time frame. So of course, we are talking about closures coming up the next few years on the Illinois Waterway. Uh, no way around the Illinois Waterway for the Great Loop. So to continue on the loop, you have to go through this series of locks on the Illinois Waterway. So to start with, for those, because we have loopers coming from all over the world, really, at this point, kind of set the baseline for the Illinois Waterway. Give us some of its stats and, um, you know, how long is it, how many locks, things like that. Sure. Um the Illinois Waterway, from where it enters in um, there at Lake Michigan uh, and where it empties out on the Mississippi River, is a length of 333 miles, uh, the, uh, river miles. And um, there are, in that, in that line, there are eight locks and dams, six of which um, are the responsibility of Rock Island District. Um, earlier this, or actually it might have been late last year, um, the uh, locks at uh, Lockport and O'Brien were transferred over to Chicago District. So Mike Walsh is still, um, he, that's where he went and that's part of his responsibility is up there. And of course, also they have um, Chicago um, lock there by Navy Pier that they have in their district as well. Um, so yeah, there's six locks that are under my area of responsibility. Um, and those locks were built uh, they, some were started construction in the 1920s, late 1920s into the 1930s, and uh, the majority of them being finished or completed. Um, I think the downstream locks, like at Lock, um, LaGrange Lock and uh, Peoria Lock, those were completed. The last ones would be completed in 1938, 39 time frame. So they're old. Uh, they've been around a long time. They need a lot of work. Um, and so... They only had initially was a 50 year lifespan. And of course we have well exceeded that. So the, um, uh, the need to go out and do these, <clears throat> excuse me, closures to, to update these locks and to breathe new life into them is pretty critical and, ex and extremely important, particularly with industry and navigation up and down the river for a lot of our commodities to travel. So um, it is a huge effort that's uh, you know, started back, as you had mentioned back uh, for the 2020 closures, and it continues on into 2022, 2023. So, um, but those locks, you know, they're very busy. We're one of the busiest rivers in the nation, um, you know, and so the traffic is heavy. And with that, I mean, in, in like in the calendar year of uh, 2018, uh, we moved about 140 million tons of commodities. Uh, that did dip a little bit in 2019 to 115 million uh, tons. And then in 2020, it dipped again to 95 million tons. Um, but those were obviously impacted by the closures with the lower locks uh, being shut down for three to four months. So um, that, of course, is going to you know, skew the numbers a little bit. So that's kind of some background on the, on the waterway. And, and that's hugely helpful because I think it helps our listeners to understand um, you know, how amazing it is that the Corps has been able to extend the lifespan of those locks and why this type of closure is necessary for maintenance. And of course, I wanna remind everybody that a planned closure like this is far preferable 
to an unexpected closure due to a failure somewhere that, you know, could leave you stranded for months without having planned for it. So um, we're certainly on board with the fact that this is something that needs to be done in order to keep those locks operational. And I think with the supply chain issues we're seeing nationwide at this point, when you're talking about 140 million tons of goods being moved through there, uh, it kind of reminds everybody that the supply chain is not just the roadways and the ocean liners. Um, It's interesting how much of a commercial waterway this actually is. And of, of course, that also helps us as recreational boaters because a lot more dollars get spent maintaining something that's used for for goods as well as for recreational. So it's happening. It's um, pretty major closures. It's planned for 2020 and 2023. So let's give some more information. Let's start with 2020. Um, Tell us a little bit about which locks will be, I think I said 2020. Let's start with 2022. Um, Tell us which locks are going to be closed and what's the time period we can expect on that. The first closure that we're going to have is in 2022 will be a Brandon Road lock and dam. Um, it will have a 120 day restriction period, uh, including a 21 day full closure. Um, that's to begin on 9 May through 14 August. Um, and during that time frame, that's gonna be the restricted period. And that restriction means that they'll have nighttime operations. And so during that time frame, uh, they'll be locking at night. Um, and also they'll have width restrictions um, which is obviously only impactful to industry, which is 70 foot wide. I don't think you have any loopers that have boats that are wider than 70 feet. We do so not. I don't think that's... <laughs> None that I know of. <laughs> so Unless... I don't think... Yeah. Right. So that shouldn't be a problem. So, um, and like I said, that's going to be 9 May through 14 uh, August of next year. And then a full closure of 15 August through 4 September. And that will be to facilitate additional work and stuff like that, that uh, is going to take the lock chamber out of service during that time frame. And then to follow up on 5 September through 8 September of next year, they will have the final restriction period and also partial closures that will help wrap up the project. Okay. So um, starting with that uh, 5 September to 8 September, you said that's the final restriction period, um, but also partial closure. So does that mean nighttime operations and the width restriction again? Yes. Okay. So um, first of all, I want to point out to those listening who are planning a loop in 2022, this is not expected to have a huge impact on loopers because many do not leave the Great Lakes until September. So, you know, we're looking at the full closure ending on September 4th, if all goes according to schedule, um, which is plenty of time for loopers to be leaving Lake Michigan. Many don't come off the lake until later September anyway. Um, For those who maybe are coming through earlier in the season, obviously not during that 21-day full closure, but during one of those restriction periods where it's nighttime lockage, um, is there any plans, and um, Doug, since you're kind of new in this role, um, one of the things that some of the lockmasters, which as a lockmaster, you may have done this before, but in those partial closures or or nighttime-only operations, we've seen where, you know, sometimes the last lock through of the night at 6 a.m.-ish is sometimes saved for pleasure craft. Is there a likelihood that that may happen again? Um, that is something that, um, yeah, it's possible that it could happen. It's not anything that I have discussed in depth with the lock masters on the, on the waterway. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the 2020 closures, um, I didn't have restrictions at the lock that I was working at, so that mm-hmm. was not something that we implemented at my site. Um, but now that I'm in this role, you know, I have heard of the, um, the um, allowing uh, – loopers and pleasure crafts to uh, lock, you know, at the 6 a.m. time frame. 
And um, I don't see any reason why we can't facilitate that at this point. So right. um, that's, that's it, it will be something news. I will it will be something I will communicate with the um, with the lock masters so that way um, we can get that done. Yeah, and and um, loopers especially appreciate that. And for those listeners who are kind of newer to this whole process, um, recreational vessels basically have lowest priority at the locks. Now, lock masters want you to be safe and don't want you ending up out there overnight. So there's usually opportunities, uh, you know, every so often to work through a lockage of pleasure craft, even when there are commercial vessels waiting. Um, But when we're dealing with nighttime only operations, the ideal for uh, recreational vessels, usually for loopers, is to have that last lock through of the night as daylight is, is coming and then continue on their way in daylight. So it's an early morning, but works pretty well. There have been some circumstances um, where, uh, you know, the, the positioning of a lock versus a safe place to stay overnight, there have been times where recreational vessels were kind of the first lock through of the nighttime. So at 6 p.m., if there's a, a safe harbor just beyond the lock. So as we get closer to this time frame, we'll be getting more information on all of that out to all of you. Um, so, you know, no worries about that. And again, the vast majority of loopers are going to be coming through after the work is done in 2022. Uh, is there anything, um, anything you can share, Doug, about the reason the work is needed at this time? I know this has been a multi-year project, as you said, and some of the 2019 and 2020 work was kind of leading up to this, but um, any insight you can share as to, you know, kind of what's uh, the reason the work is needed at this time? Sure. Uh, for the work at Brandon Road uh, next year, um, this is in preparation for the 2023 closures. Um, the closures in 2020 and also what's coming up in 2023, these are locked waters. It is something that um, has not been done very often on the Illinois waterway simply because it is an operation. Uh, 12 months out of the year. Um, when you get to the upper reaches of the Mississippi River, they do lock closures and, and dewaters um, frequently. And it's something that they can do because the river shuts down due to ice and, you know, and they stop traffic for that. Um, so it's a seasonal thing for them. Well, with us, there is no seasonal opportunity for us to do this. So that's why we had to schedule it the way that we do. Now, <clears throat> with the, um, with the, uh, Closure that's coming up next year at Brandon Road, when I mentioned a dewater, obviously, in order to dewater a lock chamber and be able to work on the miter gates, you have a, have a way of being able to um, remove the water from the lock chamber and remove the miter gates and such without it being, you know, in the water. And so um, what we have to do is, in preparation of that, is we have to cut in what's called these bulkhead slots. They're located above the upper miter gates, and we can drop in these stackable bulkheads that will fit... Um, in just inside each wall on each side of the lock chamber on the upstream side and they slide down in and as they stack them up above the water line that will then isolate the lock chamber from the upper pool to where they can start running pumps to dewater the chamber well those bulkhead slots do not exist at brandon road they do exist at all the other locks right now um, but because they do not exist at brandon road it is something that we have to uh, install so in 2022 that is the purpose of that closure. It's going to take contractors um, a lot of time to come in and be able to cut those um, bulkhead slots into these existing walls. And once they get those completed, then that will have us prepped and ready to go for the dewaters in 2023. And 2023 is really the one that is going to affect loopers most. So I want to 
make sure we have the time to dive into that in depth. So let's take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll talk about the closures planned for 2023. So we'll be back in a moment. This is a message from Steve, the dock master at Half Moon Bay Marina. If you're heading up the Hudson River, Half Moon Bay is 20 miles north of the George Washington Bridge. They have stellar dog walking paths and parks that start at the marina. They're the only deep water marina in a 30 mile radius, and the marina is fully protected with a wave attenuated seawall. Half Moon Bay has many services, including high speed Wi Fi, pump out, divers, mechanics, and access to enterprise car rental with free pickup and delivery. Half Moon Bay is very close to a local airport and train service to New York City, and they offer looper discounts at a local fuel dock. Stop by and see them when you're on the Hudson River. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Doug Morgan. He is the chief of locks for the U.S. Corps of Engineers Rock Island District, and he is filling us in on some upcoming planned lock closures on the Illinois Waterway so that these locks can be maintained and, and extend their useful life. Um, so 2023 is going to be a challenging year. Go ahead and fill us in on the closure expected there. You know, give us uh, the, the time frame and the locks that are affected and, and what kind of work is being done during that time period. Sure. Um, in 2023, uh, right now, the, uh, the closures are scheduled at four locks. And those four locks are scheduled to begin on uh, June 1st. And we have... Brandon Road and Dresden Island, those two locks will be closed for 120 days each. That is what they have scheduled it for. And then Marcel's and Star Rock Lock and Dam, those are scheduled uh, anywhere from 90 to 120 days. So they've kind of left some flexibility in that time frame. Um, so, but hopefully they'll stay within that 90-day range. Um, so that's kind of the goal there with that one. Um, as far as like some of the work and stuff that's being done at the locks, um, with uh, Brandon Road, some of the repairs that are being done up there is um, they're doing, they're, they are having new miter gates constructed, um, the upper miter gates. And so what they're wanting to do is, is they're going to do the dewater, they're going to replace the upper miter gates, but at the, also at the same time, that's going to be an opportunity for them to update the gate machinery. So they're going to be replacing the miter gate machinery um, for that lock. And then um, also they're going to be putting, you know, concrete work in. Uh, that they'll do some uh, repairs to the walls and, and also the gate sill. And, I, you know, basically the gate sill and your loopers are probably really familiar with them, you know, when they lock in the upper uh, locks, when those upper miter gates close and they drop the chamber, there's that concrete wall below the miter gates that you guys see that arched wall, that's the sill. And so a lot of those are getting worn, they're leaking and they're needing rehab. So um, a lot of work will be done to those concrete sills as well. Um, and then also uh, vertical concrete repairs to the walls. And then also, uh, which doesn't really impact <laughs> loopers as well, but during winter operations, when we're dealing with ice and stuff, we have run a bubbler system at each of our locks. At Brandon Road is, is not an exception. So um, the bubbler system basically is a means of putting compressed air into the chamber to displace ice in the travel radiuses of the, of the miter gates. So that way they don't get ice build up behind the gates or in the travel range of those miter gates um, causing issues with operations. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of a synopsis of Brandon Road. Then as we move downstream to uh, Dresden Island, uh, again, uh, kind of pretty much similar um, to what we've talked about at Brandon Road. Um, again, it's gonna be upper miter gate in installation as well as the machinery as well. So um, 
Also, they're going to do some work on their valves, and those are their emptying and filling valves. Um, so they're going to do some valve work at, in addition to the work that's being done. And also, they're going to be doing some electrical work and replacement. So um, a lot of that stuff uh, will be um, happening. And like I said, the culvert valves will be done. And also, the valves that they operate, it's like a gate valve, and they run on up and down on a con or I'm sorry, concrete and basically metal slides. And those are being replaced with composites that are going to be allowing the valves to operate more efficiently and also be less wear and tear on the valve machinery, machinery which will, uh, it, as a result, hopefully give us a better reliability with those and, um, and will not have any impact to our emptying and filling times, which uh, obviously to your loopers, <laughs> it's important that, you know, you guys can get up to a lock and then get the chamber filled uh, quickly and efficiently enough to be able to move on and, and get onto your destination. So, this will help with the efficiency and, and the speed of being able to get up, you know, and through the locks. Um, as we move down to Marcel's lock, um, again, it's kind of, you know, these are all pretty similar. Um, they're going to do, uh, they've already got new gates on the upper end, so they don't have to do that part. That was done in 2020. Um, so what they're going to be doing now is just the miter gate machinery replacement. Because they're not doing the miter gates, that's why they have the 90 to 120 day time frame as opposed to just the full 120. So, um, but obviously they're gonna leave that cushion in there with the upper locks being closed. If there's anything that, you know, uh, work that does cause them to extend, there's less pressure on them to get it done, you know, within that 90 day window. Um, so anyhow, they're gonna, like I said, replace the miter gate machinery. Um, they're also doing an electrical rehab. It's, it's pretty extensive. Um, you know, they years ago they had the the power coming in at an old lock house on the on I guess it'd be the north side of the chamber, and now their central control stand is located on the south side of the chamber. So they're going to be moving a lot of electrical components. So there's a lot of electrical work going on there, and so um, kind of similar to the electrical work that they had done at Star Rock back in 2020. Now moving on to Star Rock, um, basically. They had a major rehab, you know, all done back in 2020. So for 2023, um, really all that they're getting done is their miter gate machinery is getting replaced. Um, a lot of the old antiquated machinery, like the ones upriver, are, are getting replaced and rehabbed. So um, that was work that was not able to be completed during the 2020 uh, shutdown that they had. So that's something they're getting caught up on uh, in 2023. So that's, that's pretty much an idea of what's going on. Um, you know, Peoria and LaGrange, the, the, the last two locks downriver, uh, we don't have any issues uh, as far as any kind of closures scheduled for them. They went through, uh, uh, Peoria went through a rehab this past year in 2020. And as many of your, your folks know, uh, LaGrange went through a very major rehab uh, over the course of the last, uh, you know, from 2019 into 2020, that uh, they're like an all brand new lock now. So they're, they're in really good shape. Yeah, obviously an immense project, um, and we are thankful that it was approached in this consolidated fashion, because obviously it only takes one lock to be closed to prevent loopers from continuing on the journey. So the fact that all of the work is happening, we're needed together. You know, uh, one closure of 120 days to take care of all four locks is certainly preferable over multiple closures. So you said it's 120 days for Dresden and, and Brandon Road starting on uh, June 1st. So that basically we can expect closure from June through the end of September. Does that sound correct? Yes, that's through 30 September. That's correct. Okay. So, and I don't know if you will know or remember, Doug, but back in, in 2020 when we had a similar 120 days, 
My recollection is that that one may have started on July 1st. Do you happen to know if that's the case? Yes, actually a lot of them started on July 1st. Uh, the lock I worked at at Peoria Lock, uh, it actually started on, on 8 July. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of them were uh, the, the, basically within the first week or so of July. Yeah, so I think the closure extended, um, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think the closure was really planned for like July through October as opposed to June through September. So for loopers who are looking at 2023 and saying, oh, gosh, there's a 120-day closure, um, you know, again, if all goes according to schedule, the waterway should be reopened in early October, which is really still plenty of time to get through, you know, come out off of Lake Michigan and continue your loop. It's, it's perhaps a little bit later, but only by a few weeks from what many loopers would t- do if there was no closure. So um, it's really good news that it's starting June 1st and, and should wrap up by the end of September. Uh, there are loopers who choose not to come off of Lake Michigan until October every single year. Um, so we will be putting out a lot more information for our members on different approaches for dealing with the closure. Uh, but coming off of Lake Michigan in October is not unreasonable. Um, so, it, you know, honestly, I think it's actually very good news there, Doug, that you're sharing with us. Uh, what are some of the best? Well, actually, a question about that time frame. You know, particularly when these closures first started happening a few years ago, uh, loopers kind of went, you know, why those 120 days? That's the the prime time for loopers coming through and for snowbirds coming off of Lake Michigan. And from what I remember from 2020, there were, you know, very uh, well thought out planned reasons that those months were picked. So you can can you give us some insight onto why the, you know, late summer time frame seems to be what works best? Sure. Um, it's it's pretty much uh, in line with what we did in 2020, with the exception of the fact that it's it's been pushed a month uh, ahead. Um, but basically what we're looking at is a couple of things. Um, seasonal flooding, uh, which usually happens in the spring, um, that buys us a little time to get beyond, beyond that time frame. Um, the seasonal flooding doesn't really impact the upper locks as much as they do as the lower locks. Um, so the seasonal flooding... Uh, but it does still have impacts. I mean, you still have high water events and things like that where, uh, on the upstream locks uh, from Dresden Island on down that can be problematic. So if we can get beyond that time frame in the spring, spring months and, and the thaws of, from the winter, um, snow melt and ice pack and all that kind of stuff, get beyond that, you can put that behind us, there's less of an opportunity for that to get in the way of the project you know, moving forward. So we want to make sure that we get beyond the, the flooding event or the, the historically typical flooding season, but we also want to be able to end the, the closures, you know, like 30 September, so that way industry can start moving their agricultural commodities. It's harvest season, things are starting to come out, of, you know, off the ground and into the barges, and, and we got to start transporting that stuff. So it's, 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 it's huge to catch that window of opportunity between the flood season and when harvest season comes around, so that way we're able to to fill us, you know, facilitate the work getting done at the same time as getting the river opened up uh, for our customers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just so loopers understand, yes, it's inconvenient for recreational vessels, but a lot goes into planning those dates and it, it's really the best time of the year from the, the full picture for this closure to happen. Uh, any insight you can give us, Doug, you know, on how these projects are planned? You know, are they padded so that that opening date is not missed or is it, you know, basically strictly day by day? Is there any wiggle room there so that that opening isn't extended? Um, well, I mean, for us, it's, 
you know, I would say, you know, for us, I mean, we were able to in 2020, you know, we were able to reopen the locks on time in spite of the challenges that we faced. Um, all the locks, you know, they were able to stay within the 120-day uh, window from the uh, beginning of the project to wrapping it up and getting the lock back into operation. Uh -huh. And some of the challenges, obviously, that we faced is 2020. I mean, we had COVID. Um, right. So not only did we deal, not only did we have to deal with, you know, um, protecting our our employees that were working at these sites, as well as the contractors and all the other support personnel for these projects, you know, and trying to, you know, um, at that time there was huge, you know, calls for social distancing, masking up, and you know, we didn't have the vaccine, you know, at that time frame. So a lot there was a lot of coordinating with that. Also, because of the fact that a lot of these, a lot of this work you know, was bringing in, you know, supplies and materials from outside sources that were having their own issues with COVID. And so, you know, having all that, having all those challenges that we were having as far as like getting supplies, getting parts, getting, you know, tools, um, having people having to, you know, stay home for two weeks because they were exposed to somebody else or somebody would come down, you know, or test positive. You know, these were the many things that we we faced in 2020. So it was a huge um uh, example of how we were able to face those challenges and to be able to still come through with the finished product within the time frame that was allowed um, and also within budget. So, I mean, you know, so the thing is, is, um, you know, as far as like, you know, wiggle room, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously this, you know, in 2022 and 2023, you know, if, you know, we're going to try to maintain the expectation of 2020, but, um, uh, if anything were to happen to extend any of this stuff, I mean, obviously we'll communicate it as soon as we're possible, as soon as we know, um, as soon as possible. Um, and we'll try to provide with the most update information as we possibly can. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're pretty proud of the fact that, and we're pretty confident with the fact that we should be able to stay on target with this um, because obviously now we have things in place that we didn't have in 2020. You know, we've got these, mitigation efforts for um, COVID, you know, supplies are starting to come in a lot more um, uh, reliably than they used to, you know, back a year ago or so. So the thing is, is you know, I, th I feel confident that we should be able to stay on target on time and uh, we shouldn't have any of those issues. But like I said, if uh, we do have any issues or anything like that, we'll definitely communicate it as soon as we possibly can. Yeah, well, we appreciate that. And it's very, it's truly commendable that the project did stay on track and finished on time and on budget in 2020. Uh, so of course, that gives all of us a, a very high confidence level that the same can happen in 2022 and 2023. Um, and of course, we wish you the best of luck in all of that happening. And we appreciate your efforts to communicate what's going on and, and to keep us abreast of any changes. So Obviously, this is still a little ways out, but in the interest of keeping our members abreast and, and um, aware of what's going on, is there a resource that they can go to just to kind of check on the status if they choose to? Yeah, what they can do is um, they can go to the Rock Island District Corps of Engineers webpage, a Google search of Corps of Engineers, Rock Island will get you there. Um, and once you get to the district webpage, all you got to do is over on the right-hand side, you can click on navigation. And then, um, and then once it goes to the next page, you just click on the uh, Illinois Waterway Consolidated Closures. And uh, when you click on that, that will give you um, a lot of the information I've provided today, as well as any updates. All right. Well, that is perfect. And, and for our members who are, you know, already kind of going, what should I do in 2023? How should I handle this? 
we will be putting out a lot more resources. As I said, we put them out in 2020. In the end, they weren't needed as much because COVID had far fewer loopers on the water. But uh, we did mm-hmm. put some strategies in place then. So for our members, be on the lookout for that. We'll be providing you with information on you know safe places to wait for the opening. Uh, to you know, if you want to cruise down Lake Michigan, kind of in September as you normally would, and then and let the boat sit in a safe harbor while you wait for the opening, we'll be getting all that to you. We'll also be talking as it draws near on strategies for getting loopers and other recreational vessels through the locks uh, when you're there kind of dealing with all of the commercial traffic and, and how we can get everybody grouped together to make it easier for loopers, but also easier for the lock masters to be able to get a, a recreational lock through going. So um, Doug, this has been hugely helpful. I think it's, it's mostly very good news and we'll look forward to continuing to work with you as this project comes nearer so we can stay on top of what's happening. So thank you so much for sharing. Well, I appreciate it. And thank you for uh, having me on. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.